Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Mitzi Purdue. Mitzi, are you ready to do this? Oh, I love being on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Excited to have you on. Mitzi is a businesswoman. She is an author, a master storyteller, a philanthropist. She was born into fabulous wealth and married into impressive wealth. She's the founder of Win This Fight, an organization working to eradicate human trafficking. I'm excited to have you on, Mitzi. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm so <laughs> glad that you said we have 24 hours to cover this. <laughs> However, however, I, I will make an attempt to be concise. Uh, let's see, my background, you mentioned fabulous wealth, yay. Uh, my father was the co-founder, along with my uncle, of the Sheraton Hotel chain. So uh, we did sell the company on his death in the 1970s. So I'm no longer connected with it. But I sure got to see a big, successful family. Uh, and we still stay together as a family, the Hendersons began as a family business in 1840, and so we've had 181 years of investing together, oh. And which, which happens to give me a lot of insight on what makes high-functioning families, and if you want to get into that, try and stop me. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, by just the most wonderful good fortune from my point of view, uh, I met and married Frank Perdue, the chicken guy, and his family, which is now my family, were in our 101st year. So you know, I've gotten to see two families that put a lot of effort into teaching values and stewardship and that you're part of something bigger than yourself. I appreciate that. How does, how did, and I, I apologize, I'm not sure if Frank is still with us or not, but how was uh, it? He, he died in, two, in, in 2005. I got it. So he's been gone 16 years. How did he like being called the chicken guy? Actually, he, <laughs> he, 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 was, he was a very self-effacing person, and he had no problem at all with uh, when people would say, you squawk like a chicken, mm. um, you look like a chicken. Uh, no, he, he thought it was funny. He was self-deprecating. Got it. Nice. And, and he, exploited it, he exploited it for all he was worth in the ads because he knew that he looked like a chicken and he was fine because <laughs> it related to the brand. Perfect. And so um, how, how did you find yourself focused on human trafficking? I became interested in it or how about obsessed with it a couple of years ago when I'm, I'm going to bet a lot of people who are listening were in the situation I was two years ago where you hear the term human trafficking, but you know, unless you've seen a movie or a program on it, the words just sort of float by. Mm -hmm. Well, I heard a lecture where this guy, he, he was into rescuing uh, children, and he would rescue children who had been raped like 10, 12 times a night, 365 days a year. And you know, he showed pictures of, of their faces, and I couldn't unsee them. And I thought, this is the worst horror that human beings can do to each other. Because you know, we're looking at like little 12-year-old girls, and their life expectancy, by the way, if they hadn't been rescued, 
almost none would be alive seven years later because they would die of suicide or overdose or murder for their organs. Uh, so something that awful. And then there's a quote, and it's kind of presumptuous of me to repeat this quote, but here it goes. It's from Mother Teresa. And she said, the, it's immoral to be discouraged by the magnitude of the problem. The good that we can do, we must do. And I kind of I kind of feel that that's true. The good that we can do, we must do. And having come from wealthy families, uh, I've had a lot of experience over my life in fundraising. And I thought, you know, I'm never going to be able to deliver services myself to restore or or rescue kids or people in general, but I could raise money and awareness. And so that's what I've been doing for the last two years and loving it. It's very satisfying to think that, I mean, this is, this would be true for anybody, the chance that you can play any kind of role in alleviating suffering. Um, boy, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. No, no doubt about that. What a what an amazing quote, and I'm 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 shocked that I've never heard it before. It's immoral to be discouraged by the magnitude of a problem. What what one can do, one must do, or what what we can do, we we must do. Hey, you're you're fabulous at taking notes rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> so but isn't that true that yes. that the good that we can do, we must do? I I, I because I, there's plenty of evil in the world. I mean, good lord, the stories I hear of, oh, like I'm. I'm a writer. Uh, for, for a good bit of my life, I wrote a syndicated column for Scripps Howard, and it did get to be the most widely syndicated environmental column in the country. So writing is my thing, and I'm doing this story right now on a girl who, she was part of Child Protective Services, but when she aged out at 18, uh, I mean, I, in case somebody doesn't know what child protective services are, they they help kids who like are orphaned or are taken from homes that are where the parents might be drug addicted or something where it's just unsafe for the child. But at age 18, they tend to be on their own and a horrendous number of them end up trafficked. And this girl that I'm writing about right now, she started out being trafficked you know, for a couple of years, having to have sex 10 or 12 times a night with strangers. But then at age 20, she no longer looked young enough for her trafficker's clientele. So he sold her to somebody who liked fetishes. And this guy, he, would, he kept her in a box. It was, it was long enough for her to lie down on, but she couldn't stand up in it for two years. And he'd only let her out to be with people who had fetishes that I don't think I dare describe, hmm. um, unless you tell me that the audience has a really strong stomach. I don't think but so. There's some really, yeah. Well, there's some really strange, weird things that people like. And so the, the story has a happy ending. Let me quickly jump forward. Um, she was rescued, and uh, it, it took two years of trauma-informed care and just a lot of love and oh she i you would think that somebody could never recover from something so awful mm -hmm. and yet she has a, a life that's approaching normal now she has a job she works in a greenhouse she's um she has enough income so that she can pay the rent of her home and she's she's 
it's it's like she's moving on, and I don't understand yeah. how people are able to do that. But it's amazing. But I've I've met people who've been trafficked who, if you were to meet them, you wouldn't know that they'd had that background. In fact, my son even dates a woman who was trafficked for four years, and I know her well enough so that she tells me what she's been through. But if you didn't know, you'd never know. So I, it's it's phenomenal to me that people can get past that. But what I'm really about is, I I, I applaud and, and I raise money for uh, organizations that rescue and rehabilitate. But I'm really into prevention. And how would you prevent it? Well, trafficking is a hundred and fifty billion dollar a year industry, and that means that they do it for profit. They do it for money. And what if we could interfere with their money-making ability? And I'm, I'm into, at this moment, and boy, if any, of, if any of our listeners want to join in this effort, there's some major organizations like the financial organization UBS uh, that, or Polaris, which is the largest anti-trafficking organization. They want to get people for financial crimes. I don't know if everybody knows the story of Al Capone, but he was, I think, in the 1930s. He was a murderous thug who killed dozens and dozens of people, but they could never get him for that because he could kill off any witnesses. Mm. But what they finally got him was for financial crimes. Well, what if we went after the finances of, of the traffickers? That certainly makes sense. And there are... And what the part that most excites me is there's a group, and I, I, I did a story on them, it's called Annie Cannons, which there's a certain percentage of people who've been trafficked who happen to have very high IQs, which means like 135 or more, which means that they can become computer programmers. And if they go through a two-year, maybe it's a one-year course with Annie Cannons, they can make $90,000 a year when they come out. Well, I asked the people at Annie Cannons, could you train white hat hackers? And translated, that means, can you train people? You, you know the people who create computer viruses or sure. know, all the stuff that we hear of cyber? Well, the white hat hackers are the people who basically go after the black hat hackers. And what if we could train people who, uh, who've been trafficked but who have coding skills to know how to use the dark web and artificial intelligence and forensic accounting. You know, what if they could just tunnel in and they can get in where law enforcement can't because they know the vocabulary, they know, they just know how, how the traffickers work and think. And it, I'm told that it's really hard for law enforcement to, to, penetrate a trafficking ring because in one way or another they stand out sure but somebody who's been trafficked you know that they, they could they could make a huge difference they could put tons of people in jail so that's what i'm most involved in right now well i think that that's incredible and what just an absolute atrocity so that you're able to 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 have an impact is is obviously a really 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 important thing how how have you decided throughout the course of your life? Obviously, you've been involved with philanthropy, and you've 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 written this environmental column, which is widely read, and so that's obviously a passion of yours. How do you decide 
what to focus your attention on, what to focus your resources on, because there are so many different causes. Okay, I've, I've actually been thinking a lot about why I chose trafficking, and it almost feels as if, because it's one of the most horrible things on earth, it's as if even a small impact can make a, even a small effort can make a huge impact. So I thought, you know, with my time and resources, that there's no way I could spend my time on earth with, oh, this is so presumptuous. I'm being the opposite of Frank, who was always self-deprecating. But I feel that the, what I can do with my life that would be the best use of it is fighting trafficking. And and I agree with you that, you know, there's so many causes that matter, but to me, trafficking, uh, I mean, if, if I could bring about world peace, I'd sure put my effort into that, but mm-hmm. that job's not on offer. But short of world peace, um, I can't think of, of anything that, that involves more suffering that you can do something about. Well, that certainly makes sense then. And in terms of, um, I think it's, I, I think that that every single one of us is probably struggling at some level with something that we're very frustrated by. If it's human trafficking or division or racism, whatever it is, and we feel overwhelmed by the problem. And going back to Mother Teresa's uh, statement that it's it's immoral to be discouraged by that, but easy to do. So what we can do, we 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 must do. And you've been in a position throughout your life to have um, financial resources. How do you how do you talk to people or, or coach people or counsel people that maybe don't have the financial resources you have but still want to have an impact? My feeling is that it's almost if if there's somebody let's imagine an administrative assistant who's just not making much money and she gives $10, I'm going to be more impressed by that than somebody who gives a million dollars who the million dollars doesn't mean anything to. So I, I think it's kind of the spirit and the heart behind it that that I admire. Yeah, I certainly I certainly agree. I was just was wondering what, what, what your perspective on that is. Um, there's, there's that biblical story about... I, I, Go ahead. Now my theory is every everybody does what they can, hmm. and I, as I say, I so much more admire somebody who who isn't making a lot of money who gives something than somebody who it's just a nothing to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Do you feel that that you always had this this? this desire to to give back to to look at a problem and do what you can to solve it is is, is this a nature or uh, nurture word, thing yes okay <laughs> well I, i'm going to say yes i always had it but i always had it because i had parents who said hmm. well let me tell you about my father the co-founder and president of the sheraton hotel chain i remember when i was like i don't know maybe nine or ten years old coming into his office on a Saturday, his office in his, in, in our house. Um, and you know, there he was busy with papers and whatever. And I asked what he was doing. Well, he was studying charities that he'd be donating to. 
And I said, why do you do that? Because, you know, I'm young and I have no idea about these things. Why are, you, why are you giving away money? And he said, the greatest joy my money ever gave me was in giving it away. Hmm. So with a background like that, <laughs> I've got to be me. I mean, my, my siblings are certainly uh, about service. And, and then in the Purdue family, Frank was just spectacularly generous, but in almost every case, uh, a condition of, of the donation was that people not talk about it because he wasn't doing it to be, to be known. He was doing it because it was from the heart. In fact, the happiest I ever saw Frank, and this would happen loads and loads, he gave away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of full scholarships. And occasionally, you know, would meet people who would recognize him because, you know, back 20 years ago, Frank Perdue was a very recognizable face. He was on television. Sure. Loads and loads. <laughs> uh, well, uh, people who, who had, whom he had given scholarships to would come up to him and, and thank him and tell him that they're, yeah, you know, that they had a great job now and a family, and this wouldn't have happened without the education that he made possible. And Frank, you know, just for hours afterwards, you just see a smile on his face. And for for absolute good reason, yeah. What an amazing impact! It's it's it, well. It's, wait, then, then let me ooh. let let me give a quote from Frank. Frank wrote something called an ethical will, where he had ten things that he wanted his children and those who came after him that if they followed these 10 things they had a chance at a happier life and one of them was and i i you know in my own mind i put this right up there with mother Teresa. i'm entitled i'm his wife i don't have sure. to be objective <laughs> uh, but he said if you want to be happy think what you can do for somebody else if you want to be miserable think what's owed to you mm. is that, that is also that is also a really really good one <laughs> I, I, but it, at least in my life, it's true when you're thinking what you can do. Oh, oh now I'm sounding preachy and I'm embarrassed. Oh, not but at all. Here goes. Well, in my own life, when I'm really miserable about something, which doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, and I sort of stand aside and I think, is this because I'm owed something and I'm bitching about it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I owed good health? Am I owed to be have the line move faster? <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, on the other hand, I think my father was right when he said the greatest joy his wealth ever gave him was in giving it away. I think that that's well said. Well, Mitzi, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Okay. Um, th- this is something that, that's helped me in life a whole lot. And it comes from Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, if, you have, if your job involves eating a live frog, icky, 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 <laughs> eat the live frog the first thing in the morning. And uh, I'll translate what that means, at least to my life. It means whatever's the hardest, most difficult thing that you have to do that day, do it right off. Do it first thing. Get it over with. Enjoy the rest of the day. So... Uh, if, if you want to get things done in life, and if you if if you want to have a feeling of accomplishment, eat your live frog first thing every morning. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets come on, come on. 
I think, Metsy, that you have delivered uh, the most impactful quotes in the history of the Lifeblood podcast, which is no small feat. It's oh, th- a thousand cool. episodes, and you gave us three really, really wonderful ones. So I love it. Well, Mitzi, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you, and how can people engage with you? Well, I'd love it because, um, I don't know, to me, communication and people are what life's about. So anybody who wants to contact me, I promise to answer. There, there are two good ways. Uh, if you're interested in human trafficking, and gosh, I'd love to have you be part of it, and I promise you the ride of your life. If you want to get hold of me that way, go to winthisfight.org. And one way to remember it is, haha, the initials of it are WTF, winthisfight.org. <laughs> Nice. That was deliberate, by the way. Awesome. I mean, I wanted it to be memorable. Uh, so winthisfight.org. Or the other is, if you want to just, uh, th- there's a contact me part of winthisfight.org. And the other way is mitsupurdue.com. And that will tell, that gives it business advice. Uh, I, I write for Family Business Magazine and Psychology Today and wealth management. I write for a bunch of places and all my articles are there. So anybody who wants more of that, go to mitsipurdue.com. And if you want to connect with me, go to the contact part. Wonderful. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mitzi your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to winthisfight.org. And learn about um, all the work that Mitzi and that organization are doing to um, to eradicate human trafficking. Go to MitziPurdue.com and learn about all the different places that Mitzi writes for. Um, she does a ton of really, really great writing. So definitely check that out. Thanks again, Mitzi. Oh, I loved it. Thank you. It was an honor and a privilege. Thank you, and until next time, keep fighting the good fight, as we are all in this together.